Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Okay, we've been doing a series on Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower who remembers the righteous do what? Run into it and uh, the word save there means whole, complete, growing in completeness, growing in wholeness. It's so beautiful. So this morning, last time I spoke, I spoke on all, not all, some of the names of God, Father God, um, and this I was not exhaustive, even though I made it sound exhaustive. That's just my nature and who I am. But to, this morning, I want to talk about another name of the Lord, and this is Jesus. So this morning, I want to talk about running into Jesus and running into his promises and running into what he has done for us. Just one other story about Africa. When we were over there, we went and prayed for um, some people in hospital. The, this nation, Zimbabwe, is, is so poor at the moment, and a couple of months ago, the, the government um, changed the, the finances of the nation by saying that your money now is worth three and a half times less than what it was yesterday. So imagine that if the government just said, your dollar is now worth like 30 cents, every dollar that you earn. So if you earn you know, $600 a week, you're, you're down to 200 or less. Why do you try to do maths up here, Stephen? <laughs> and um, not only that, but while we were there, we turned up to, in Harare to go and get some supplies because we were about an hour out of Harare. And we found out that morning that everything had increased by 75%. And Paul and Melinda are actually walking through the supermarket, meeting and greeting people that are their friends from, from Zimbabwe, and people are just crying saying, well, uh, we're hitting it again, because they have had hyperinflation before. We have no experience of it in Australia. We do not actually comprehend. And Paul's mum bought out a bag of money, Zimbabwean dollars, which are not currency anymore. And I was holding not just one, but quite a few inches in a wad of $500 billion notes. Can, who wants to be a billionaire? Yeah! <laughs> Well, I had a note that had $500 billion attached to it, and the value of it was probably less than what it cost to print that note. Paul's dad had a retirement fund when he left Zimbabwe and went down to South Africa for a while of $1.2 million. He was, they were very successful farmers, and when he came back to Zimbabwe, he couldn't even buy a Coke with that $1.2 million. Now, you, you might be looking at me going, I don't make sense of that. Well, I was sitting there with this bag of money, and it's beautiful money too. It has all these pictures and stuff on it and of all around Zimbabwe, and I'm, I'm there, and I'm, there is nothing on my experience in this planet or on this planet that could ever have prepared me to make sense and reconcile what I was actually holding in my hands. And you might have been singing songs this morning and hearing us sing songs and going, why are they so excited? Because nothing on this planet that you've experienced so far will ever prepare you and reconcile for what Jesus has done for your life. Run into Jesus. I'm so glad we've got Jesus. Jesus isn't just remembered twice a year at Easter, boom, gone, and Christmas, woo, coming. It's actually every day. In 1 Corinthians 11:23 to 26, um, the Apostle Paul, profound guy, Saul was killing Christians. He was 
adamantly against Christians. He was actively opposed. He was on his way to Damascus. And then God, Jesus turned up, blinded him. He goes, oh, Lord, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus, the one who you're persecuting. Then he gives this revelation, bigger than anything we've ever comprehended. He knew stuff. At one time, Paul even said, I know a man who went into the heavenlies and saw things there. I don't know if he was in the body or in the spirit, but I know this man. Who was he talking about? Himself. But he wanted to present it in such a way that he didn't bring any glory to himself or bring any reflection to himself. He was just like, this is what God can do. Saying that, this is the scripture. Paul speaking, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Ever heard of Chinese whispers? They're called different things everywhere else. I don't know why the Chinese get the, the blame for here in Australia, but you whisper into somebody's ear and then they pass it on to the next person and pass it on to the next person and pass it on. And then you hear what the last person has to say and it's very different to what the first person says. We don't relate what we see and what we experience very well unless we have a revelation of what the truth is of that in our life. He had a revelation and he passed it on to everyone who listened. So I just love it that we have a message from Paul that we can say... Crystal clear. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he'd given thanks, that's profound in itself, when he had given thanks. Sometimes we can look back in life and go, yeah, I've had some good experience along and I can thank God for those, maybe not for the other things, but do you know what? We can give thanks for all our lives because God can make all things work together for good. But he also gave thanks for what he was about to walk into which was profound because he'd seen people crucified before. He'd seen people treated badly by the Romans before. He knew what was going to happen. And not only was it a physical thing, but he was taking on the sins of the world. He was opposing the forces of darkness and he gave thanks. He broke the bread and he said to his disciples, this is my body. Take it and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. The word body there in the the Greek is soma, which means sound wholeness. There's so much to it, but it also means slave. It means a servant, that our body is actually a servant, a slave to us, to our will. It's not the driving factor in our lives. Your, Your sexual urges, your financial urges, your desires or whatever, they don't control you. You control them. So Jesus said this body is for you. I am making it, handing it over as a servant for you. Wholeness, completeness. It comes from the word sozo, which means to save, deliver, or protect. Now, take it from that to the body of Christ, because I just want to do that, that um, thingy. Not comparison, alignment. Let's call it that, alignment. Stephen, don't get caught up on words. You're so good at them. Sozo, save, deliver, protect, to heal, preserve, to do well, to be or make whole. This is my wholeness. This is my deliverance. This is my protection. This is my healing. This is my preservation. This is my salvation. It is for you. Eat it and remember. There's such a completeness in that. Eat it and remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood which is the cup of the new covenant. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The word blood there is hayima. It means bloodshed, it means life source, it means kindred blood. 
that we're now brothers and sisters together. It doesn't matter what nationality we're from. It doesn't matter what culture we're from. When we come into Jesus, we are of kindred blood. This is my blood. This is my life source. This is my bloodshed. This is my atonement, which is made for you. Now, Jesus wasn't just making an intimate suggestion to his followers to um, actually, please remember me. You know, it wasn't that. He was making a really solemn statement that when they did this and remembered him, they would remember his teachings. They would remember his behavior. They would remember the, the way that he spoke to the Father and prayed and the way he ministered to people and, and, and did good to everybody he met. Hmm. The Lord's Supper isn't just a fancy religious ritual. It's actually a heartfelt relationship participation. God, through Jesus, wanted us to actually have an authority in our life and a statement in our life that would make a proclamation to everything around us. And, and Paul adds to this by saying, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Hmm. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I, I don't fully get that. I, I just want to unpack it a little bit for you. See, when we do this, we make a proclamation and we actually invoke the authority and the victory of everything that Jesus accomplished when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, everything that he accomplished over the powers of darkness, everything he established in the heavenly realms, everything that he's established for us, Everything he took off the enemy and did to the enemy and did for us, ooh, that's pretty neat, is encompassed in this act. And it's not just an act, it's a participation in a relationship. So what are we actually proclaiming? Because when we take communion, when we actually partake of the Lord's Supper, we're actually making proclamations in our life. And not just a proclamation over our life, we're making a proclamation over our marriage, we're making proclamations over our destiny, we're making proclamations over the principalities and powers and rulers in this dark age, we're making proclamation over family members, over finances, over all these things, of everything that was accomplished in Jesus' death, burial, resurrection and ascension to heaven. So this morning I'm going to use some big words. You might think you have already, but... These are bigger. Just a second. Ah, they're a bit hard to get around if you don't wet your whistle. Nailed it. Number one. See, I'm glad my daughters are laughing at me. They're both down here giggling going. <laughs> they have a sense of humour. Number one is expiation. Say expiation. expiation. Not so easy, is it? Expiation. <laughs> you might say, what is expiation? Well, nailed it. There's a definition up there. Expiation is the removal of our sins and our guilt. So but when Jesus died on the cross, he actually removed, he expiated any sin, any guilt that was over your life. Who's got some thoughts about some behavior that they used to get on with and some things that they've done in their life? And I'm like, yes. There's some stuff that I just don't want to remember, but I remember them from time to time. I'm full of shame. I've, I, guilt comes back and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I do that? I know better than that. Why did I behave like that? 
Well, the great thing is that Jesus expiated the punishment and the attachment of that sin, that guilt, that shame from our lives, so that when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're actually proclaiming to the principalities and powers, no more. We're proclaiming over our mind, over our soul, no more. And we actually put a dividing line in the sand and we step over it into what Jesus has for us. He expiates our sin and our guilt. John 1.29, when John the Baptist, and he didn't write it, but John the Baptist was um, baptizing people and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He expiates the sins of the world. Not just the sins of those who believe in him, but it's for everyone. Like I've met people that I've started, they go, what do you do, Steve? And did this coming home on the plane? Um, There's a guy that I met in Melbourne and he's got, I don't know, I think he had six pubs that he owns and two restaurants. One of them's in Docklands. This guy was wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. And he goes, so what do you do, Steve? After he told me everything that he'd done. And um, I said, well, I'm actually a minister of religion. He goes, for real? And I'm like, for real? You know, yes, I am. And he goes, what does that even look like? And I said, well, he goes, you're a priest. And I said, no, no, I'm not a priest. And he goes, well, I'm Catholic. He was very Irish. He's going, so stupid, boy. What are, where are you, what are you doing in life? Life, life, life. Do you want to hear it? No, no jokes. I've got to get back on track. No, it's too long. All my Irish jokes are too long because I like my Irish accent. So I have to really bung it on so I can let you all know that I can do it. <laughs> Where was I up to? Yes. And then <laughs> people said, that's fine for you that you believe in Jesus and you have this faith, but I don't need it. Do you know what? Everyone needs it. Everyone has sin and guilt in their life that they just need to wipe out and know that they've stepped over the line, that that can't impact them any longer. Hebrews 9.26 says, He has appeared once and for all at the culmination of the ages. Wow! To do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Do you know what it means by the culmination of the age? That means that, like it reached a, a crescendo. There was a, such a momentous point and reached a peak. They went up the mountain and hit the peak. That's why our calendar is actually about that time. BC, before Christ, AD, Amino Domini, in the year of our Lord. Now, I know that political correctness and all that is trying to remove that. We're now the common era, <laughs> before common era, Welcome to the common era. Your big claim to fame is living in the common era. Not before the common era, you're in the common era. There's nothing common about this era, it's changing all the time. So he has expiated our sin and our guilt from us. The second point is propitiation. Say propitiation. Did you spit over the person in front of you? Like, propitiation, which means, like expiation means the removal of our sin and guilt. Propitiation means the removal of God's wrath from our lives. Um, when Jesus died in our place, died for our sins, he removed the wrath of God that we all deserved and justly deserved. In fact, he goes further than this. Propitiation is not just simply a sacrifice that removes wrath, 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 I was going really British there. Wrath, eh. hey brothers and sisters, brothers. That's my 
Sorry, I've been putting on so many accents lately, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> Rightio, pip pip, jog on, tally ho. <laughs> Propitiation. It's not just a, a sacrifice that removes, removes God's wrath. It's a sacrifice that turns that wrath into favour. It's an amazing sacrifice where he was going to judge us, now he favours us. He was going to wipe us out, now he lifts us up. He was going to do away with us, now he is seated, we are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. I don't know if that makes you a little bit excited, but I want to actually build your excitement this morning. Romans 3.25, it's talking about Jesus here and it says, Whom God put forward before the eyes of all. You might think, no, it was only the eyes of the centurions and those that were there. No, 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 no. The whole planet is actually hearing about this. The eyes of all wasn't just for that time. It has been since then that this message has been resonating around the planet, that God is the only God. He is God and there is no other. He is God and there's none beside him. There are no other gods. And it's not because I think so. It's because I believe so. I heard this message. I believe it and I've accepted it. It's not my religion. It's actually a relationship with Jesus. It's not what I've made up. It's actually what I have taken hold of. It was shared with me and I'm glad it was because I've taken this now and it's changed my life. Where am I up to? As a mercy seat and, get this, amplified use, propitiation by his blood, the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation, which is my next point, to be received through faith. Amazing thing about faith is that you don't fully get it until you step into it. You don't fully understand it until you get it. People go, oh, I don't get it. No, 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 no. Until you step into it, you'll still be living in this realm where you're just going, oh, it's just hope. No, 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 no. It's the substance of things hoped for, but it's the evidence of things not yet seen. That God has promised, God has said, God's going to do it. It's in his realm. You don't have to manipulate and intimidate and dominate to try and get your way. You can just trust God and be in the hands of God. So it says here, um, through faith, that's what faith is, the, the substance of things that we hope for, but the evidence of things that we haven't yet seen. It's a conviction. Yes, I'm going to see that. Yes, I know that that's in God's heart. Yes, I know that I'm going to see that happen in my life. And if it doesn't even happen on this planet, it's going to happen in eternity. Boom, drop the mic, walk off the stage. No, back again. Only up to point two. Not even through the... Okay. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over and ignored the former sins without punishment. It was to demonstrate and prove at the present time in the now season that he himself is righteous and that he justifies and accepts as righteous those who have true faith in Jesus. Step into faith. Step into faith. It's a great thing to do because you step into all these benefits that God has for us. Expiation, precipitation, no. <laughs> what is it? Propitiation. Propitiation. Third point, reconciliation, which means a removal of our alienation from God. We are reconciled to God in Christ. That word reconciled actually means that we were separated from God by our sin, 
We were all born in sin, each one of us. It wasn't just because, you, you know, the... Uh, no, I'm getting, getting off track. We're born in sin. We're born with a corruptible nature that no matter how good we try and do things, we'll still be selfish about it. No matter how good we try and behave, we'll still make mistakes along the way. But when we step into this place of the... So we were alienated. We were separated from God. But Jesus has come to take away that separation, remove that alienation from us so that we can be close to God. And when we know who our Father is, we know who we are, and then we start to understand what we are here for. So many people ask what the will of, you know, the will of their life, or sorry, the, the purpose of their life is, and it's actually to know God. And then we are to bring heaven to earth. When, when God formed Adam and then produced Eve out of Adam, it was actually to bring about stewards on the planet that were going to bring heaven to earth. But in our corruptible nature, have a look at what we're doing to the planet at the moment. Just greed. We're just destroying things. We're, instead of actually bringing heaven to earth, we seem to be dragging hell out of earth. We're ripping the hell out of earth. <laughs> Reconciliation. Say reconciliation. Okay, here we go. Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain now that we are reconciled that we shall be saved, daily delivered from our sin's dominion. Ooh, that we are da saved, daily delivered from our sin's dominion through his resurrection life. Not only so, but we also rejoice and exultingly glory in God in his love and perfection through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we are now received and enjoy our reconciliation. Taking that alienation away from God, Skyler, you champion. She's clapping me. Good on you, Skyler. Hey, did you hear Skyler and Teresa both came to Kylie before we went to Africa and they gave us a prophetic word. They said, hey, we see this cloud over you guys as you travel to Africa. And we're like, cloud? Because mm. when you hear a cloud over someone, it's usually cloud of doom. And they said, no, 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 no. It's a cloud of blessing over you wherever you go. And we're like, cool. Giddy up. Let's get on with it. We go over to Africa and we're expecting rain. Okay, so we, we turn up at Maritaba we drive in there and Paul's pointing things out. There's a dazzle of zebra. There's a journey of, of giraffes, not elephants. Uh, I nearly said elephants. Oh, vivid monkeys. As soon as we drive in, there's just animals galore. Then for the next three days, saw nothing. Paul's pointing out dung beetles and drongos. They go, hey, there's a drongo. And I go, we've got drongos in Australia. Drongo's a bird over there. I said, we've got drongos in Australia. He goes, Really? I haven't seen any drongos. I said, they're everywhere. Walk up the street, there's drongos. Drive on the road, there's drongos. Come into church, there's drongos. <laughs> Thank you. And it rained. Paul actually was saying there's, no, there's not enough grass to sustain them through winter. Nothing grows during winter. So... Um, I, as we're driving in, I said, well, thank you, Lord, for the rain. That night poured rain. There was like an inch or so, 30 mil that fell that night. And we were going, oh, we might not be able to go out in safari at 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, well, if we're meant to go out, said to Kylie, if we're meant to go out, it'll stop at 5.30. Do you know what happened? Stopped at 5.30. We were on the bus at 6 o'clock, well, in the truck, and headed out on safari. The next, that night rained again. It was just amazing. So we left Maritaba, went to... 
Victoria Falls. And we get to Victoria Falls. What does it do? Pours rain. And then, not only pours rain, but when we go to Vic Falls, the Victoria Falls actually made so much rain. And not because you're at the bottom of it, because it, it actually steams up. It, it's actually called the smoke that roars. That was the title that was given to it. And so it steams up, and you just see all this steam rising even when you're driving in there. You get up close to it, that steam from the mist, and mist goes up, it condenses and then precipitates and falls as rain. It produces its own weather. This thing is so big, it, is it 90 or 9 gigalitres a second? 90 gigalitres a second are going over the falls. You can't even comprehend that. I can't. And it rained when we hit um, Harare, oh, sorry, um, Marandera. Oh, that was painful to drag out. Marandera. And it poured rain. I've got videos. We've got videos of just rain bucketing down, and it's not the season for rain. So God, and it wasn't because we were there. God was just confirming it. It wasn't because we were carrying this rain with us. Oh, I'm the rain bringer. You know, no, it was because God was just showing us, yep, gotcha. And you might say, I wish that happened to me. You don't need to see that happen. It's already been said in the word of God, that it's already been proclaimed over your life. That's why I'm sharing this stuff with you this morning. So, yes, I've done that scripture. So that was reconciliation. The fourth point, redemption. Redeemed means to pay a price for and get back. If you go to a, um, to a pawn shop and, and hand over your uh, wedding ring because you need some spare cash, you give it to the guy. He gives you a little bit of cash for the value of that. You go away, spend your money, and hopefully when you get some more money, you'll go back and say, I want to redeem my wedding ring. And you give him the money that he states, and then you get your wedding ring back. Redemption here is Jesus. God, through Jesus, is buying us back. The price that is paid to deliver someone from captivity, it's called a ransom. So Jesus ransomed us. It says that Jesus himself said that he didn't come to serve, but to be a servant. Scripture tells us he didn't come to serve, but to serve and to make redemption, to redeem the world. So these are three things that we are released from. Number one, the curse of the law. They're not on the screen. I apologize for that. But we are redeemed. The price has been paid to buy us back from the curse of the law, from the guilt of sin, and not only the guilt of sin, but the power of sin over our lives. Christ redeemed us from these things. Romans 3.24 says, All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came from Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter 1.18, You must know and recognize that you were redeemed and ransomed from the useless, fruitless way of living that you inherited by tradition from your forefathers, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. I was about to say blemish or blot. I, I don't know why we do this in our family, but we mix up letters sometimes. Oh, it's about dyslexia. Or is it listexia? <laughs> Just sit on that for a little bit. You might. We're not simply redeemed from the guilt of sin. We are brought back from the power of sin over our lives. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You were bought at a price, therefore honour God with your bodies. Honour God with your behaviour. Honour God with your words. Honour God with your actions. 
We are free to honour God. It's not like we have to honour God, so therefore he loves us. No, 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 no. It's not about God so loved, loved us before anything like this happened. Before Jesus came, he loved us so much that he gave his only son. No, no, we don't, you know, honour God with our bodies to get good with God. We are good with God. Therefore, we are free to honour God with our words, with our thoughts, with our actions, with our behaviour. Fifth point is, I'm going through all the shuns this morning. Obliteration. He absolutely obliterated. Say obliterated. He obliterated the power of the enemy. Jesus' death was defeat of Satan's dominion on the planet. See, when when Adam and Eve both sinned, see, Satan was thrown out of heaven because he tried to rise up against God. He thought he was really important. He could rise up against God. But God threw him out, defeated him. There's two, he took a third of the angels with him. He came down to the planet, and then he deceived Adam and Eve. And so what Adam and Eve did, they submitted to the deception, and Satan got authority over mankind. He actually took the place. That's why in Job we read that he was allowed to go into the presence of God and accuse Job to God. But then after that... Scripture tells us that the authority of the Christ has now come and that the accuser has been cast down. And I see Satan, you know, struck down like lightning. I love that. Jesus obliterated the enemy's power. Colossians 2.15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Something that was so horrific, something that was so brutal, he triumphed over the powers of darkness through the cross. Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, which means you still have useless stuff attached to you, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. I love that. He obliterated the enemy's power. And the sixth point is substitution. Say substitution. You know that one, don't you? To be a substitute means to be in the place of. Jesus died instead of us. Jesus died so that we can have eternal life. Jesus died so that we can have fullness of life here, enter into eternal life, and then when we die, when this earthly container perishes, we go into the heavenlies and we are welcomed, well done, good and faithful servant, by the God of creation, by the Father of all life. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to have communion. So can the guys... Oh, they've already started. You might be wondering why there was a mass exodus right then. You saw people getting up and walking out. That's because they're going to get the Lord's Supper ready for you. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. This is a profound thing, because what we're doing, as Paul said, not only are we partaking in relationship and remembering Jesus, his body, that wholeness that he brings to us, or or his blood, which is that life source, which is that life-giving kindred blood connection that we now have with him, but he also did something powerful, because As I said, I don't know if I mentioned it before. It might have been in the first one. Paul goes on to say, by doing this, by 
taking communion, eating and drinking, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim. So what we do isn't just remembrance. We remember what Jesus did. We remember his teachings. We remember everything that he's done. But it's also proclaiming his death. And what is in his death? We're actually what I've just said. Everything that is encompassed there. You are redeemed. You're brought back. You're propitiated. You're emancipated. You're substituted. You're obliterated. No, no, you're not obliterated. Um, All these things have been done for us. And it's a proclamation not over just your life. It's a proclamation over everything that's attached to your life. And not only that, it's a proclamation over the principalities and powers that might be trying to shut you down, contain you, and limit you as you walk around on this planet. But by eating and drinking, you make a proclamation of the Lord's death until He comes. I just want to tell you a story while we're handing this out. Before we headed over to Africa, my energy levels were getting down to... Everyone understands that definition, don't they? I didn't realise how empty I was until I got full again. Sometimes we don't realise how sick we are until we get well. We don't know how lethargic we are until we get energy again. And I didn't know how empty I was because we hadn't had a holiday for, since 2012, which was actually not a good thing to do. We hadn't had any, like, we'd had one Sunday off, or two Sundays off, one Sunday a year for the last two years, but nothing before that for five years and going back to 2012. So Kylie was a bit concerned about me because I was just shutting down a bit at home. Not here, not when I was around people, just at home, shutting down, spending time laying flat, just no energy. So she comes in and says, we need to start taking communion every day. And I'm like, communion every day? No one does that. That's a bit radical and weird, isn't it? Well, let's get weird for a second. So she started bringing juice in and a wafer that we broke and we drank and we ate. And I don't know what happened, but when I went to Africa, I did not stop the whole time. I was just running everywhere. Kylie was like, you, this is amazing. Thank you. Has everyone got some? It's coming if you haven't got it yet. Got your shot glass, got your little wafer. So something happened in me just by that. It wasn't so much the holiday. I think it was what God was actually preparing to do in my life from there. So if you think I haven't seen a miracle yet, just look at me. I am the miracle because God uses me. That just blows my mind that God wants to use me. I know who I am. You may not. You might think, oh, Stephen, yes, I, know. I see who you are. No, 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 no. I know who I am. I know what I've done in my life. I know who I've been, but I know who Jesus is. So when I went over to um, Africa, I was sharing with Paul's brother, Dani, um, about communion. He goes, oh, we just had Bethel here, and they just bought a whole heap of books with them. There's a book that Benny Johnson has written, that's Bill Johnson's wife, on communion, on the Lord's Supper. So I grabbed it, started reading it, and then Kylie stole it and read it and gave me the points. So I'm going to give you a couple of them. This lady came to Benny Johnson and said, I'm really sick at the moment. I'm on my third or fourth round of antibiotics, and I've got this incredible stomach disorder at the moment. And so Benny, I would have just said, you know, pray for you, blah, blah, blah. But Benny, in her wisdom and discernment, said, tell me about your life. What's happening at the moment? And this woman said, well, blah, blah, blah. But a few months back, 
my boyfriend and I broke up and he's got a new boyfriend, a girlfriend already. And um, she's into Wicca, into witchcraft. Benny goes, ooh, I think you're being cursed. Now, you might think cursing has no power. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. I have seen people speak life into their body, say, I'm sick, but I'm going to get better. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to overcome this. And they get better. And I've seen people that are well that go, oh, I'm not doing too good. Oh, I'm really down. Oh, I'm really flat. Oh, I've got no... And they speak themselves into sickness. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So Benny said, you need to take communion every day. And you need to proclaim Jesus' blood and what Jesus has done, his death, burial, and resurrection over your life. Everything that I've just, and and more. This is not an exhaustive list here. Over your life. So she did it. The next day, she took communion um, by herself. And she rang up Benny and said, you're not going to believe this. I'm feeling better already. Which sometimes we get the feeling of feeling better. And then we go, oh, all done and get on with our normal life. No, 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 no. She needed to make a change in her life. So Benny said, no, keep doing it. Keep having communion every day. So she got, and you might think this is a ritual. No, it's not. It's remembering Jesus and it's proclaiming his death, burial and resurrection to all the principalities and powers or everything that would try and stand against you. And, this, and Benny said, and send those words back from where they come. So after a month, this woman has gone to the doctor and totally, it's gone. She's got no disorders, she's got no pain, she doesn't need antibiotics, no infections, anything like that. So she's all better, praising God, everything's good. Then she hears that the woman that is going out with her ex-boyfriend has now showing the symptoms of everything that she had. She sent back the words. Now, we don't want to make proclamations over people's lives to make them in pain or sick or anything like that, but that's the power of this realm. This is the power of the supernatural. So I want to tell you today, if you're looking for a breakthrough in your life, in your mind, in your body, in your relationships, whatever it is, there's authority in this act here. You are remembering Jesus, his body and his blood and everything that that encompasses, because it's not small, it's big. It wasn't just his physical body and his physical blood. There was so much more to it. But you're making a proclamation. And today, as we take hold of this and we eat and we drink, you're making a proclamation. You are proclaiming over your life, over your household, over your marriage, over your future marriage, over your children or future children, over your destiny on this planet, that God has done it all through Jesus. I can't put that any simpler. I'm sorry, that's as basic as I can get. God has done it all through Jesus. And that we now no longer have to be a slave to the old style of living. We can now be free to live in fullness, an abundant life, a fullness of life in Jesus through to eternity. So as I was reading out this list of things, I'm sure that the Holy Spirit was just dropping into your mind. Maybe things that you needed to deal with. Maybe things that are concerning you and you go, oh yeah. I'm feeling something that's oppressing me at the moment or a darkness. I'm having bad dreams or whatever it is like that. There's authority in this right here. Or maybe finances aren't good or maybe relationships aren't good. You're going to make a proclamation of what Jesus has done for and in you this morning. 
So whatever that is, I just want you to now start thanking Jesus for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.